In America, Thanksgiving is comparable to Christmas on the holiday calendar. It's when everyone gets together with turkey, football, and the Macy's parade to be thankful for what they have. But where did this holiday really come from? In this episode, we explore the history and the real meaning of America's favorite holiday as we answer, what is Thanksgiving? Welcome to America, a history podcast. I'm Liam Heffernan, and every week we answer a different question to understand the people, the places, and the events that make the USA what it is today. My special guest this week is a professor of history at George Washington University. He specializes in Native American, Colonial American and American racial history. And his most recent book is This Land is Their Land, The Wampanoag Indians, Plymouth Colony and the Troubled History of Thanksgiving. I really hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Hello, David Silverman. Uh, Hi, thanks for having me. And yes, you pronounced that just fine. Oh, phew. Uh, (laughs) It's uh, really great to have you on this podcast uh, because I think when we think about Thanksgiving, there's a lot of things that spring to mind, not necessarily the the, the true origins of the holiday. So uh, it'll be great to to dive into that a bit more on this podcast. Um, Looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, in that vein, uh, I'd love to just get a bit more context about how Thanksgiving even started, if you could provide that. Well, that's a difficult subject. Um, it will. It depends on who you ask. Uh, so the the myth in the United States is that the contemporary holiday originated with a feast that took place between English colonists at Plymouth, uh, which is the first permanent English colony in New England, the northeastern. Uh, portion of the United States, and the local Wampanoag Indians. This is an Algonquian-speaking tribe um, that inhabited roughly the area of what's today southeastern Massachusetts and eastern Rhode Island. Uh, you know, the the myth is that um, you know these two groups got together, dined together made friends, and set the United States thereby on a course to become a beacon of religious freedom, democracy, and opportunity. The book that I wrote really troubles that, that myth. Um, and, you know, what I, part of what I bring to the fore is that this holiday had no association whatsoever uh, with Plymouth colonists and Wampanoag Indians until really until the the 19th century um, that it was a you know it was a holiday in the tradition very much in the tradition of English Thanksgivings you know which uh, English people had been celebrating since time immemorial uh, when the the colonial period started and that you know it's really only the convergence of a number of cultural and political pressures in the United States in the 19th century that attaches the holiday to this event in 1621 involving Native people and colonists. So I, I, I guess 
that kind of leads me on to something that I, I've always thought, which is this idea of, of Plymouth Rock, because uh, I guess anyone that, that's in the musical Anchors Away has heard the famous song that talks about Plymouth Rock. And it's it's one of the symbols that internationally, at least, that we kind of get associated with Thanksgiving. But why? What What's the deal? This poor rock um, might be one of the most abused stones in the uh, the history of the world. Um, so, uh, as best we can tell, uh, the association of this rock <laughs> with the origins of, of Plymouth Colony began effectively as part of a tourist booster campaign by the town of Plymouth. Uh, beginning in the late 1700s and then really took off in in the 1800s. You know, l- let's be clear. I mean, suffice it to say, when you have a landing party from a ship, uh, generally they don't land on a rock. Uh, you, you know, usually they land on the beach. Um, but, you know, some, somehow um, this notion emerged um, that, you know, the first English colonists who arrived at Plymouth stepped from their landing boats onto this rock. Okay, you know, so what? Well, you know, Plymouth Colony, you know, which let, let's be clear, was really a marginal place throughout its existence. You know, it was underpopulated. It was economically unimportant, uh, you know, to the extent that it's important at all. It's only because, A, it's associated with this mythic Thanksgiving, and then, B, it became uh, the the place where a regional war between colonists and Native people in southern New England began in 1675. But in the American mythos, uh, Plymouth became the progenitor of all the things that Americans took pride in about their country. You know, again, religious liberty, democracy, opportunity. And so this this rock took on this symbolic valence that ha- having nothing to do with actual history. And as a result, everybody wanted a piece of it, a literal piece of it. And so tourists would come to Plymouth and they'd uh, chip off pieces of it as souvenirs. And then to protect it, uh, the town of Plymouth dragged this rock, which is you know pretty big, up the hill uh, and put a cage around it, you know, and several chunks of the rock fell off in the process. Eventually, they thought the better of it, and then they dragged it back down the hill several years later, um, and they, you know, they they created this effective temple around it, uh, which exists to this very day, and it's it's suffered so much damage (laughs) over the years, you know, including graffiti and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, Native people have desecrated it, uh, you know, to denounce colonialism, um, that now when people go and look at it, they they expect to see. I don't know what they expect to see. I think it's a mountain of gold or something like that. Uh, but you know, they'll 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 go, they'll climb the steps of the temple and they'll look down at this rock on the beach. And almost invariably, you'll hear people say, "That's it." And yeah, that's it. It's just a regular old stone sitting there on the beach. What what a great marketing campaign can do, right? Right. Um, but one of the reasons that Thanksgiving is always felt a bit problematic to me is that it's it's a day that's calls for celebration and it just it, it doesn't feel like it's really something that americans should be celebrating is it well it depends on what you think you're celebrating and there's no question about it that over the course of the past, I would say about 150 years, Americans have come to associate the holiday with 
pilgrims, and that's the term used to refer to these Plymouth colonists, and Indians, usually not um, specifying that it was the Wampanoags. So these are caricatures of historical figures, pilgrims and Indians. It's like cowboys and Indians um, in, in a lot of ways. Most Americans, when they gather together for Thanksgiving, even though um, the iconography of the holiday, by which I mean, you know, the way people decorate their houses and the way, you know, grade schools uh, mark the holiday uh, with, with school children, even though um, the iconography is full of images of pilgrims and Indians, when, when Americans get together for Thanksgiving, you know, which involves getting together, you, you pause for a day or two, you have a feast, uh, usually involving uh, Thanksgiving and copious amounts of pie, and depending on your family, quite a bit of liquor. They watch, watch American football, so on and so forth. Most Americans don't think they're actually celebrating an alliance between colonists and Native people. That's kind of background noise to uh, to this holiday. What they're really cherishing here is an opportunity to pause with family and friends and then to reflect together. And there are very few other days on the calendar in which Americans do this. Um, you know, this is not This is a holiday which has become divorced from its religious origins in Protestant Christianity. It's now very much a secular holiday, which means that it can unite a very pluralistic country in a way that very few other holidays can. Now, one of the things that I try to do when, you know, as a historian, uh, it's kind of my job to ruin everybody's time. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I, I, I try to do when I'm, I'm speaking to the American public about this holiday is I say, you know, look, uh, you know, I know we traffic in this sugar-coated notion of, of colonists and indigenous people making friends and then launching the United States. But do you really think a shared dinner um, is, a, is an appropriate symbol of colonial native relations? And almost to a person, adults will say, uh, no, I, I, I think you're, that's probably not not the most accurate symbol. And, you know, they, they can see the point. Um, and yet, here, here we have it. Uh, those symbols are attached to the holiday. And I, I think that's what's odd to me, because, you know, you think even beyond Thanksgiving, there's there's examples like uh, sort of the, the, the kind of mythicization of, of, of what happened with Pocahontas and, and so many other examples of like um, right. uh, settler native relations. Mm-hmm. I- invariably, when I've spoken to people about the truth of these encounters, they tend to be a lot more barbaric and they, mm-hmm. they tend to be a, 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 lot, a lot less amicable than this sort of the pop, popular culture myth would have us believe. And is Thanksgiving just another example of this kind of whitewashing of history? Uh, 100%. Um, Almost all the indigenous people that Americans remember are the ones who helped, not the ones who resisted. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that colonization is a bloody business. (laughs) And it certainly was in the United States. Um, You know, the historical profession is having a very reasoned debate at at the moment of whether we should frame those relations and then their successor relations um, under the United States as genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's not a word one uses lightly, right? Um, you know, right away uh, that gets uh, that gets people's attention um, and raise, raises the passions. But there's very good reason for having that discussion. You know, the fact of the matter 
is that colonization and then the expansion of the United States was an apocalypse for indigenous people. They lost practically everything. And one of my contentions for why we should separate the, I think, the lovely ritual of getting together with family and friends and offering uh, thanks for what's good in our lives from the mythic history is that it, it really is an insult and quite damaging to Native people who live to this very day with the consequences of that bloody colonial history mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to, to canvas the country around Thanksgiving season as, as occurs with images of colonists and Native people holding hands and making friends makes light of the trauma of our Indigenous countrymen and women. Yeah, and and there's there's something that just doesn't quite sit right about American families getting together, having this big feast, and being thankful when they're doing it on lands that, through no fault of their own, it's very much their ancestors came along hundreds of years ago and 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 stole from these native communities. You know what what is the general feeling amongst Native Americans with regards to Thanksgiving? I don't think there's any general feeling. Uh, Native America or Indian country, as it's often referred to uh, in in the United States, including in officialdom, uh, is a very diverse place. Um, and so it's not one size fits all. Um, but you know, there has been a movement uh, spearheaded by Wampanoag people uh, since the 1970s to hold what they call a National Day of Mourning morning with a U every Thanksgiving day. And uh, there's a protest which has been occurring, you know, for 53 years now Hmm. in Plymouth town on a hill overlooking Plymouth rock in which that national day of mourning is held. And it, you know, it's an opportunity for indigenous people uh, initially from primarily from new England, but increasingly over the years from across the country and now increasingly from across the hemisphere and indeed across the world for indigenous people to get together and to denounce the evils of colonialism and the legacies of those evils in their everyday lives and to wake up, the rest of the world uh, mm-hmm. to those those issues. Now, let's be clear. There are other Native people who simultaneously um, mourn when they get together with family and friends on Thanksgiving and then have a feast <laughs> just like everybody else um, and, and reflect on what they're thankful for. There are others who hold a very traditional kind of American Thanksgiving um, that has nothing to do with a national day of mourning. It really does depend on who you ask. I've been massively generalizing so far that, um, first of all, every American's, you know, celebrates Thanksgiving in the same way. Um, but also that, you know, there's, there's some sort of ignorance at play here. I'm, I'm sure that anyone that celebrates Thanksgiving, uh, is absolutely doing it from a, a, a good place and with the best intentions and this idea of giving thanks, there's something quite, um, humble about that. But, on that note, I just wonder if, if if there was more of an understanding as to the roots of Thanksgiving, could the holiday become uh, a way of bringing these two sides together uh, in, in some sort of more mutual understanding over, you know, why the holiday's there in the first place? Uh, it's a it's a very good question, and I you know I think the the basic premise of it rests on what I consider to be uh, an important truth, which is that any real social justice of substance 
moving forward is going to be based on a clear-eyed reckoning with history. I think that's true of whatever social justice movement you're you're talking about. The the obstacles to that goal in the United States vis-a-vis indigenous people are significant. Um, this is a country that has worked very hard over the last several years to pay no attention to indigenous people whatsoever, um, to, to literally make them disappear, not only physically, but also historically. Most U.S. history curriculum pays little to no attention to indigenous people, which makes it very hard to see them in modern times as fully modern people, as contemporary members of, of our, our society. And it, among the very many reasons for that historical amnesia is just how awful it all is. I mean, it, confronting this history is asking an awful lot of everybody. And yet, I think it's urgent. Now, whether is Thanksgiving the appropriate context for confronting that history? Well, you know, my contention is this. If we as a country are going to continue to attach pilgrims and Indians to this holiday, I don't think we have to. But if we're going to continue to do it, I say we have to get the history straight. Mm -hmm. It can't continue to be this, this sanitized bedtime story that bears no resemblance to the actual truth of the history, including the history of Plymouth and Wampanoags. They did have a, they did have this feast. There's no question about it. But their relationship went to hell in a handbasket very quickly after, you know, after the dessert was served. Um, there are lots of other contexts in which you know, well-intentioned Americans are trying to address this history. Um, there's a, a movement to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, there is now Native American History Month. Uh, it, it, scholars like me, and I'm not Native American, um, but you know, scholars like me are are teaching three courses about three dimensional indigenous people, and for that matter, three dimension uh, three dimensional colonists at universities across the country. Now, there's a, there's a lot of pushback at the uh, primary and secondary school level to teaching this kind of history because it, it makes white people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but nevertheless, the fight is on. Um, and I think we're making an enormous amount of progress on it. Why do you think that it's such a, a struggle to, to um, kind of embed uh, an education of indigenous history uh, in America, because you know Germans study the Holocaust. Um, you know other cultures study parts of history that are unfavorable to them, and yet there seems to be, as you say, this sort of willing amnesia when it comes to learning about parts of American history that that reflect quite badly uh, on those people today. Right. You know, I, I, I don't think modern Germany is um, representative of human society as a whole. Uh, you know, it, the progress that, that that country has made is remarkable um, in a very short period of time. For most of human history, including now, the purpose of a history education has been to train little patriots. Not to train people to be critical of their own society <laughs> and, and to question power. That's a very modern notion of what a history education is supposed to be, and it ruffles feathers, uh, you know, quite, quite frankly. Most Americans, and I think it's, this is probably true of most people throughout the world, um, think that you're 
training children to be patriotic members of their society. So, you know, the kind of history that I'm advocating here doesn't do that at all. Um, It's asking uh, young people and old people, for that matter, to be critical of their society so they can improve it moving forward. Hmm. It's interesting because we've we've discussed in other ways on this podcast the sort of the, the whole kind of education piece. Uh, we've we've discussed it around LGBTQ, uh, you know, education and the discrimination um, that happens there, and 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 I guess it's it's similar in that you need to you need to give people an accurate view of history and an accurate version of history because otherwise it's almost indoctrination, isn't it? Uh, that's precisely what it is. I mean, I, I, absolutely. America has been a white-dominated country, remains a white-dominated country, um, you know, from from its its very inception. But also from its very inception, people of color and their their white allies have struggled uh, against that legacy um, and tried to make the country a fairer place. Telling better history is part of that struggle. Now, let me be be clear. You know, I think a history that deals with the darker elements, and there are many of them, of the American past, I think is a truer history. You know, I'm less concerned with how that history feeds into modern day social justice movements than just getting the history right. I think that's, you know, my job is to get the history right. It's the job of other people than to take that history and translate it into, you know, policy uh, and, and reform. Mm-hmm. Um, the accurate history is very hard. It's asking an awful lot of people to sit to sit through it, and yet I think it's essential. One of the things that that I always took away from 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 my time uh, too long ago now in academia is that you know the, the the truth isn't linear and it's not singular. There are there are many versions of the truth, and history is complex and multifaceted. But important to understand, nonetheless, and kind of getting back onto the subject of Thanksgiving, it, it it does feel like the whole holiday has become a little bit too wrapped in modern Caucasian tradition. Should there be a concerted effort for us to understand that indigenous origin? of thanksgiving is there even an indigenous origin of thanksgiving actually because would the holiday have happened if not for the for the the, the pilgrims uh you know I, the holiday would have happened uh, even if the 1621 feast didn't happen so yeah you know, so let's be clear new england colonists held thanksgivings from the 17th century onward with no sense of the 1621 uh, event as a precedent. And it is from that tradition of these fall harvest festivals that yeah, usually what would happen is, you know, they, they closed the book on, on the year. They're, they're literally closed the account books on their, on, on the year and then held this feast. Uh, you know, originally, you know, in the earliest days of the 17th century, you would have fast these Thanksgiving days episodically, you know, uh, for instance, you know, when a drought ended or a military victory was achieved, the government would declare a day of Thanksgiving, everyone would take a day off, they'd fast and pray throughout the day, and then they'd end the fasting with a feast. Eventually, it morphed into a regular autumn, late autumn holiday and then you know turned into this national holiday in uh, the 19th century in the context of the civil war for most of that period there was no 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 association whatsoever of the holiday with indigenous people that is a later invention in part 
designed to whitewash this bloody history that that we've been talking about. There are a lot of other factors as, as well, but that's that's part of it. So no, no, the the, the the holiday does not have indigenous origins. Nevertheless, when you when I talk to native people, n- not an insignificant number of them say, "Look, like I realize that the the." myth associated with the holiday is a caricature of history but it's the one time a year when people pay attention to us right <laughs> and so like they they actually value the holiday for even their misrepresentation in it um that gives you a sense of just how marginalized indigenous people are um in american society most of the time so you know, I, I I don't know how to to fully address your uh, your concern here, other than to say, as a historian, um, my position is: if we're going to associate pilgrims and Indians with the holiday, let's get the the history straight. And I don't think anyone is going to want to celebrate that. Fair enough. Yeah. So, what what is the the first uh, sort of documented or or, or or known celebration of Thanksgiving? So, let's be clear. I don't think there's a first period. You know, Native people had been celebrating their own versions of a Thanksgiving since time immemorial. English people have been, and every other colonial group that came to the United States, French, Spanish, Dutch, what have you, also had their own Thanksgiving tradition. So, yeah. It's, it's impossible to know. Hmm. The model for this Thanksgiving today is this 1621 event. And, and, the, and the context is this. Uh, you have this uh, a group of 105 uh, religious eccentrics uh, from, uh, from England who are yeah, they're separatists from the, the Church of England. Um, they want to set up uh, their, their own colony you know where they can worship as as they please um like most of their colonial predecessors you know, the colony really struggles <laughs> when it when it lands they lose half their numbers uh, to disease and, and malnutrition and it looks like the place is going to fail what pulls them back from the brink is that native people reach out to them uh, feed them protect them from their many indigenous enemies and eventually the colony brings in a successful harvest. When it brings in its successful harvest, the colony holds this feast and, and a few days of celebration. Wampanoag people show up, participate in the events, and that's the end of it. We have two accounts of that. One is by Plymouth Colony's governor, William Bradford, uh, who wrote a you know, basically a 25-year account of the colony, which is one of our best sources uh, from it. The other is a multi-authored uh, account, um, Bradford's also one of the authors. The totality of writing on this 1621 event is two paragraphs, and no one ever mentioned it again. Uh, in, in yeah, and, and which which says something because when an event is important in colonial Indian relations, the native people invoke it in almost every major diplomatic setting from that time forward. They'll say, "Do you remember when our fathers and your fathers got together?" And but but they never did. This was not an important event to any of the participants, it's only future generations that turned it into what it is today. So it it feels very much like from, from what you're saying that Thanksgiving, as we know it, and as, as it's celebrated and understood today, is almost entirely manufactured. That, that it, is, it is entirely manufactured. <laughs> yes. It, again, you know, there's a 200 year gap between this this 1621 event and when white Americans start invoking it. 
yeah. as a precedent for Thanksgiving. No one mentioned it during the 1600s, 1700s, really even most of the early 1800s. Yeah, which I guess, you know, to, to put into, into present day context would be the equivalent of us taking an event that happened in the 1820s and saying we're going to start uh, something uh, that celebrates and remembers that from now on. It's going to be so far removed from from what's actually happened that it doesn't really bear any any resemblance or, or, or acknowledgement of that in, in any sort of accurate way, I guess. No, not at all. But, you know, there were very good reasons to attach that myth to the holiday when it happened. And, you know, and, you know a handful of them are this. You know, one is that Protestant Americans were getting very unnerved by the influx of Catholic immigrants into the country uh, during the early 19th century, um, mostly Irish um, and to a lesser extent Germans. And this story held up you know, pilgrims who are, you know, again, are these arch Protestants as America's colonial founding father. So it, it reasserted their authority. It's also a time in American history in which U.S. Indian wars are all over the continent. And this is a way of taking the edge off of that very troubling trend. There are other factors as well. But as, yeah, as you can, you, you get the point that I'm trying to make is that there's mm-hmm. all kinds of cultural pressures in the 19th century that make this myth useful. Yeah. And I, I, I guess that's why when you look at Thanksgiving versus uh, Halloween, Christmas, I know Christmas is not a, an American holiday, but a lot of the traditions maybe mm-hmm. are, are more Western. Um, the, the themes around these holidays are more universal. Uh, maybe the reason that Thanksgiving hasn't become the sort of global commercial success that other holidays are uh, is because it is just it's it's so so distinctly American in 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 why it's there and 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 how it's celebrated. Uh, no, no question about it. Um, and it you know it's a holiday that is accessible uh, even to newcomers. To America, and you know, I, I, one of the things I actually think is quite lovely uh, about the holiday is the way that uh, Americans from various cultural backgrounds will take their own approaches to cooking turkey. Um, you know, you know, some of them it'll be basted in butter, and others it'll be covered with cayenne pepper. I mean, it, you know, it really does run the entire gamut. You know, some people bake it, some people fry it in peanut oil, which is a very dangerous operation. Let me say, <laughs> uh, they, you know, one of the every every Thanksgiving holiday, you will you will see news clips of people who lit their house on fire trying to deep fat fry a an entire turkey. Um, so you know, I it 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 really has become wonderful in in that way as an expression of the full diversity of the country <laughs> i can only imagine the the fun that local news stations have around thanksgiving time with stories like that uh, but just to 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 round off our uh, very brief discussion of, of the history of thanksgiving uh, how do you celebrate thanksgiving well, I, you know, I I'm I can be a stick in the mud um, at at my family's holiday whenever it comes to to history, but uh, you know, I I get together with extended family, um, you know, including aunties and uncles and and cousins. Uh, we you know we we cook a turkey. Uh, there's always a battle over how the preparations are going to take place. Um, yeah, everybody brings something uh, to the table. Yeah, it is a gluttonous gluttonous feast. I like to watch American football. You know, my mother doesn't like the TV being on when we're having. So there we, we have a f- argument about that one. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of drinking and, uh, and socializing, and uh, you know, then everyone sleeps soundly at the, at the end of the day. 
day, um, you know, stuff stuff full of too much food. Um, I think, and I think that's pretty standard uh, around the country. I really do look forward to it as an opportunity to get together with family who I otherwise don't see throughout much of the year. This episode of America, a history podcast, was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Liam Heffernan. A special thanks to my guest this week, David Silverman. And if you enjoyed this episode, do check out some of our other stuff and also some of the resources in the show notes. And a lot of work goes into making this show, so if you can leave us a review and a rating, uh, that will make us feel good and help other people find the show. next time i'm joined by emma long as we look ahead to next year's election and ask the question is the president above the law Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.